episode three of Going Blind Sucks. I'm Dusty Dado, and with me is my co-host, wife, and sound engineer, Joy Masters. Hi. How you doing? Good. How are you? Good. Uh, all right. So before we get into the topic today, I just wanted to make a correction from last week's episode. Uh, if you haven't listened to it, it's the one on the uh, on the white cane. And I had mentioned how uh, the city is such a nicer place when I'm using the white cane. Uh, and the correction that I'm going to make uh, is that that is not necessarily true during a blizzard. Because uh, I've discovered that uh, apparently during a blizzard, it's every man for himself. Uh, because there's like a, a foot wide path that people can walk on and people will just knock you down. Oh, yeah. No, they're they're not looking up at all. They're looking down like you normally do without the cane. <laughs> yes. So maybe that's it. Maybe they just don't yeah. see you until they throw you into the snow pile and they go, oh, oops. I also wonder, too, if, if they are looking and they don't see it. Because it's white? Because it's white. Like, yeah. and, and it's got a red tip and a giant racket-sized ball on the end of it. And you're 6'3". So yeah. really, they should see you. Yeah. If you're missing me, then you also have a vision problem. <laughs> so, you know, you should also visit the doctor. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Right. All right. So now that I've made my little complaint about snowstorms and blizzards in New York City and how people are rude, uh, we're going to get into today's topic. And I don't really have a name for it specifically, because uh, originally I was going to title the episode, uh, Why is Michael J. Fox Messing With My Head? Uh, and I may still do that, so you'll already know by the time you're listening to this whether or not I did that. Uh, but uh, yeah, so uh, what I mean by that is, I think it was about a year ago, uh, I saw an interview with Michael J. Fox on The Daily Show. And uh, I, it, he wrote a book, uh, the title of the book, uh, if you don't know, Michael J. Fox has Parkinson's. And that was part of what he was talking about on the thing. You know, just generally, he was just being Michael J. Fox and everybody loves him. Uh, but he was talking about his book, uh, and the title of the book is Always Looking Up, uh, The Adventures of an Uncurable Optimist. Uh, and it was all about uh, his part. Or was the title The Opposite of Dustin Diodato? Yes, <laughs> in some ways, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Um, so, you know, he had this seven-minute seven, seven minute interview, and he was just so optimistic and so like, bright-eyed, you know, about having Parkinson's, which is not fun at oh, all. I've heard it's fun, yeah. Yeah, no, it's not fun. Okay. Oh, That's so what I, I've oh. heard. It's not fun. Maybe you've had a different experience. Maybe I, I yeah. Uh, but in a dream. Yes, <laughs> a dream where there was rocking, good time Parkinson. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so uh, and he's had it for a while. Uh, and it seemed like listening to this interview um, that Parkinson's was the best thing that ever happened to him. Uh, you know, he had like he just seemed really optimistic about it. Hence the title. You know the. Adventures of an Uncurable Optimist. A.K.A. Opposite of Dustin Diodato. Yes. I don't know why you got to keep going to that, but that's fine. Um, Sorry, go ahead. So, uh, so I, after watching it, it messed with my head because then I started thinking about all of the other people. Like, like what I mean by other people like that is like that sense of like, oh, something's bad happening to me. You know, I found out I have cancer or I found out I have this thing. I'm going to go climb Mount Everest because, you know, Life is short, and I need to go do this thing. Uh, you know, or, you know, in his case, he's, I'm going to write a book about it and tell everybody how wonderful things are, blah, blah, blah. It's uh, like people are attacking their enemy in a way, like they're facing Yeah, they're, they're immediately going out and saying, like, you know, I'm going to take over life now because I have this thing, and yay. Uh, <laughs> and my experience was something that was totally different, you know. Um, there definitely was that sense of, limited time uh, but I didn't necessarily feel like I was going out 
ready to attack. And, you know, that's part of, I think, what had messed me up originally was all of a sudden now here's Michael J. Fox. And not only is he, like, you know, optimistic about the thing that he's, you know, he's got, but also now, like, he's, like, doing stuff and accomplishing things, you know? And it, and for me, it was like, that, that means not only am I... It made me feel like a bad person because yeah. you weren't you weren't attacking it like every, like these other people were like yeah. he was yeah and it's like oh all the misery that you're feeling and all the upsetness and all the anger that you're feeling that's all your fault you know like you're not as good a person as these people uh, and that only made it worse because it, it, it sort of invalidated your feelings right or it felt like it did I, I don't know if it was invalidated it just made me feel like I was playing the victim okay you know where it was like. Um, you know, like it was wrong for me to be mad mm. and it was wrong for me to be upset. And, you know, admittedly, as I've, you know, as I've said to anybody who listen, <laughs> uh, I just end up like wanting to hide out in the apartment, you know, because I know the apartment well. I don't feel like I can't see things when I'm in the apartment because my brain fills in all the information and it's right. So I don't feel different. Until I walk out the front door. So my natural inclination is to always just stay here. And not go off and conquer the world. And not go off and deal with things. Because everything that I'm doing now. Is three times harder than it was a few years ago. You know. And some of the things I didn't want to be doing three years ago. So now <laughs> now it's that much harder. You know. And I compare myself to Michael J. Fox in that interview. Uh, as I ex- had experienced it, and I was like, oh man, now I'm, you know, in order to be a good person, a person dealing with this well, I need to be doing 10 times more than what I'm doing. I just want to nap, and I just want to sit in a room and cry about it. Right. Uh, and to a certain extent, I did, you know, um, and I do. And you have every right to be. It's human. Everybody wants to, to hide from yeah. something so awful, you know? Right, and I mean, to me, that's the thing that's been... That that sort of has haunted me from the beginning. It's like, it's, it's not a question of like feeling bad for yourself per se, but it's a question of feeling like how much effort you need to put in, how much of a break you can cut yourself, you know, because yeah, everything is harder. And, you know, there's that sense of, oh, I need to accomplish all these tasks or whatever. And you don't necessarily need to, you know, you can, you can do it at your own speed, you know, uh, it's it, it's a sense of, like, not feeling like it's okay to sort of mourn the things that you can't do anymore. You know? At least th- and that's how I, f- I feel. Is that if I, you know, if I concentrate on those things, and if I think about those things, then I'm doing it wrong. You know? Because all you ever see on TV are the people who are overcoming it. You know? You see all of these people who, you know, they're like, oh, this person's a hero because they did... You know, they overcame all these adversities to accomplish this thing. So, to me, what I'm hearing is you're a loser because you're not overcoming all these things. You're caving to all these things, you know. And, you know, I, I don't know how to phrase this exactly, but you, you at least I, I, say, I keep saying you, but I always feel as though I'm, I'm doing it wrong. You know, <laughs> although nobody's nobody's written a book on how you're supposed to deal with bad news, right? But they always it's always like 
it's all about being optimistic and it's all about having this hope or whatever. Uh, and at least, you know, for me, when I hear about like, oh, there are these cures out there and there are all these whatever things. And it's like, I have a tough time being too optimistic about it because, you know, it. I'm not going to change it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to be able, like, with all, whatever cures they're working on and stuff like that, I'm not helping. I'm not a scientist. I can't fix it. So, the only thing that I can do, really, is be optimistic about it and then be heartbroken when it doesn't happen. Because it's not like, you know, it's not like every day you don't hope that gonna be, there's going to be a cure out there. You know, that there's going to be some way to, to sort of fix the situation. So, you're going to be disappointed every five minutes if you keep holding out for it you know so and yeah that's pessimistic i guess well in a way pessimism is there so that you're never disappointed <laughs> i mean if you don't expect anything good right but you don't get it you're like yep i'm fine I'm right, but the annoying the annoying thing about that because that's true uh people are pessimistic i am pessimistic i think mostly as a protection against having your heart broken um makes sense the problem with it is that it doesn't work because your heart's still broken. You know, it. even if you're consciously thinking to yourself like, oh, they're never going to figure anything out. Like, there's still that part of you that's like, man, I really hope they figure something out. <laughs> you know? Uh, and when they don't, you may, have ha- you may have the joy of saying, well, I knew it all along. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that you're not still just as upset as you would have been. Well, of course, because... It is heartbreaking that they're not figuring it out yet. Yeah. Even if you were expecting that very same thing. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, uh, So. yeah. So, getting ready for this, I I listened back to, to the interview. Because I wanted to, like, write down all the little quotes that pissed me off and all the things that really upset me about it. Uh, so, I sat down uh, only maybe an hour or two ago. To watch the interview and the experience was a lot different than it was a year ago because a year ago it felt like it was calling me out personally mm. you know it felt like michael j fox was saying you're doing it wrong you could be handling this so much better and you could be thinking of it as a victory and you're battling against these things and you know you're, you're overcoming them and everything's wonderful and uh the one of the first things that i had noticed uh, was, uh, or one of the first things that he says in the interview is, oh yeah, I found out seven years before I told anybody. Wow. Yeah. That's a long time. Yeah. Uh, and then he continued on. He's like, and I tried a whole bunch of things. I tried, you know, drinking too much and whatever, partying and what, like just to sort of forget about it. And that's when I realized that like, oh, he's just, I don't even think it's that he's come out the other side. Because I don't think you ever do come out the other side. But I think he's just had a lot of time to deal with it. You know? And he's... And it... And he raged just as hard as I did when he found out. You know? And I... Well, and perhaps I was harder. A, yeah, or perhaps <laughs> well, harder. Only because you... Because he had the money to do it. Yeah, and you didn't turn to drinking. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess it, I felt better because there was that sense of like, oh... No, you're supposed to rage against it. You know, you're not supposed to. And by rage against it, I don't mean go climb Mount Everest. I mean, sit in the corner in a dark room 
and curse it and scream at the universe and say, why the hell is this happening? You know, like, he didn't turn around and just go, oh, okay, well, then now that I have this piece of information, I will move on with my life in this other way. And I will write a book about it right now. Uh, There were years and years before he did that. And I guess for some people there aren't. Some people just turn around the next day and go, okay, I'm going to climb Mount Everest because, you know, uh, because I fear for my own mortality or whatever. But I think in a way, for the people that the next day go and climb Mount Everest, that's their way of raging against it. They're like, oh yeah? You think you got me? I'm going to climb a mountain. And it's just their yeah. own version of swearing. Is it that? Or is it is it their way of saying like, okay, well, I'm not going to think about it by virtue of doing this other thing. It's. I think it may be. Probably a combination. Yeah, it could there. be a combination. could be one for one person and one for the other. Yeah. But it, it's. I think it's similar. Yeah, and I felt better you know and as he continued to talk there it wasn't it wasn't coming across as a sense of that it was a good thing for him it was coming across as a sense of you know one of the things that he 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 said that made me that resonated with me was he's like well eventually I hit a point where I realized that like well this isn't going away so I I need to move on you know, and I need to do something. And, yeah, I mean, the choices are either, like, die or live with it. You know, like, those are really the only options that you have. Uh, how you live with it, you can alter. But yeah. it's die or live with it. And, you know, and I don't think that it's, I think the living living with it part doesn't have to be good i don't think you know the more i think about you i don't think you have to do a good job of it i don't think that you have to not be mad because i can't i'll never not be mad you know i I go to a therapist and i asked him and i was like when when am i gonna be just okay with what's going on it's like oh you're never gonna be okay with what's going on (laughs) It's never going to be fine. And I was like, well, that's not the answer I was hoping for. So you're also seeing a pessimist. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Well, no, but he, I mean, he he's right. No. You know, yeah. they're, because until until they can, you know, until they can cure this and I can see 2020 and, you know, or I have robot eyes that let me get the internet, uh, <laughs> I'm going to be mad, you know, and that's not wrong. And I think that's been part of what I'm fighting with, you know? Thinking that you're handling this in the wrong way? Yeah, being ashamed of the way that I'm handling. Mm. You know, they're like with any person that I'm I'm talking to, if I'm talking to somebody who's close to me, I feel like I need to be brave. If I'm talking to somebody who's not close to me, I need to feel like I need to talk about it as though it's not a thing, you know? But when it comes down to it, every conversation I have, I want to talk about it, you know, because it's because it's constantly there, you know, and I want to be like, here's what I'm going through. And I'm scared all the time. And I have all these things that are happening, you know, and there for me, there was a time where I wanted to accomplish everything on my own. You know, I really wanted to just be, you know, in charge of all these things and, uh, and accomplish it without help. And now I feel like I'm going to the other extreme 
where I just want people to help me. I want people to see me and be like, hey, do you need a hand with this? You know? And there are two extremes there, and neither of them are right, you know? But neither are wrong, either. Like you were saying earlier, it's not wrong to be mad. And you're going to be mad all the time, but maybe you're not in a dark corner somewhere screaming. Yeah. Now now you're still mad, but you're doing something else. So if you're going to one side where, at least this is my opinion, one side where you wanted to do everything on your own, partially to prove it to yourself, I think, and to others. And then on the other side, where you're asking for help, it, that's it's a pendulum. It's it's going to swing back and forth. At some time, you're going to get in the middle. Yeah, and it's going to it, feel right for you. But there's, there's a sense of like having that feeling of wanting to ask for help there there's a sense of like falling into a hole you know like if i get too dependent on people's help and if i get too comfortable with asking for help then am i just going to become this useless person sitting in the corner who's just like help me i can't do things you know like that's something on one hand you feel as though you're like if i'm not climbing mount everest then i'm useless but there's another sense of, you know, but which I know is wrong. And then there's another sense of, I just want people to help me. And I just want people to, you know, almost like treat me like a child in some way. And I don't know why I feel that way. But I do feel as though there are, there are times where I'll, I feel scared like a child. Yeah. You know, and I just want somebody to protect me in some way. So, which also feels wicked uncomfortable. You know? Well, you're not used to that either. Yeah. Uh, and I don't want to fall into it, you know? I don't want that to be my life. I don't want to be scared all the time. So I need to stand up and I need to do my version of climbing Mount Everest sometimes. And sometimes I need to to just crawl into a corner, you know? Uh, there's And let someone take care of you. Yeah. There's a there's a deli by our house, and it's very confined. Uh, if you know, for anybody who's listening who doesn't live in the New York City area, uh, it's the like the the delis and supermarkets and stuff like that have very limited space, so everything is very super narrow. And all the, the aisles are close together. Yeah, things are sticking out everywhere. Right, and the the deli by you know by the apartment. Uh, is particularly narrow. And the last few times that I've been there, uh, before I before I really started using the cane at all, uh, were petrifying. And I, I couldn't tell you why, but they were they were scary. And the place just seemed like it was so tiny and like that I was going to get hurt. And I don't know why. I don't know why it freaked me out so much. Uh, and... I remember going there and I needed to get something and I just, like, I had to leave. You know, I had to be not there. Uh, and on one hand, I was proud of myself for just being like, you know what, you didn't need to be there. Just, you left and you did the right thing for you. But I, I worried that every time you do that, your life gets smaller. You know, everything that you say, okay, it's all right for me to be afraid of that makes your universe get a little bit tinier until it's just your apartment. So you don't want that, you know? And 
you know, I'm not old. <laughs> you know, uh, I got to pace myself from my universe getting smaller. Otherwise, it's going to be really tiny, really quick. Uh, but th- I mean, that's the thing. I, I, that's why I don't, I, I don't know where this episode is going particularly, uh, other than just that sense of like knowing the right or wrong of how to deal with it and the pacing and the speed and the level of anger and all that, that like with any of these things, you know, like, because I don't hear stories from other people that often who are in this situation, I always think to like cancer patients or whatever, because those are the people you hear about the most. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the thing that you keep hearing from people is that there's no right way to deal with it. But like, there are the people that they show you who are dealing with it. And they seem to be dealing with it so well. <laughs> you know? Uh, well, I, they're not going to show you the people that are breaking down because that's not... The, the, the stories that you hear, they're on Oprah or they're on, you know, March of Dimes. They're on things where they want you to give money and you're not going to give money if you think someone's sad all the time. You need to see the happy little kid. You need to see the happy mother who who's brave for her kids, you know, that kind of thing. But but don't you think that just makes it harder on all the people who don't feel that way? Probably, yeah. I would think so, but that's not their goal on these shows. The goal on these shows and these commercials is to get money and to get viewership, to raise people's spirits that are not dying of cancer. Yeah, so, I, I mean, that, that just seems really douchey to me. I, that, like, no, I mean, I know that they're raising money. Uh, so that part's not douchey. That part is very cool. But it seems like a way of, like, of making people who aren't going through that thing feel better. I don't think that their aim is to make people feel bad that aren't yeah. handling it this way. But I do understand that you're taking it personally because you are assessing how you're taking your own predicament. Yeah. Your own situation. I guess. I, I doubt that the producers of Oprah, being Oprah, said, you know what? Let's get some people on here that are handling their fatal illness very well so we can make those people who aren't handling it very well feel bad, feel worse than they already do. Let's do that. No, I mean, I and know. And then we'll give everybody in the audience a car. I know that's not the intent. <laughs> and for the record, she didn't give anybody a car. She gave somebody a car at one No, point. they all got a car, but she didn't give anybody a car. Ford gave them the cars. Oh, I see. She didn't yeah. buy 300 cars and give each person a car. Someone Ford, donated. Yeah, Ford saw it as a uh, promotional opportunity and said, that's we're going to give everybody a car. Yeah. And that's usually, that, that's how it works for all those gifts. Yeah, right? it does. Oh. So everybody's like, oh, Oprah's so awesome. She gave everybody a car. She didn't give anybody a car. Hmm. Car companies gave people cars as a way of doing a commercial. So the moral of this story is don't watch Oprah. She's evil. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> she took credit for it. True, true. All right, I guess. The, Sorry, go ahead. No, I'm, I guess the whole, maybe the point of this whole thing is to say that, is is to give an opportunity, not give an opportunity, or I don't know what the right word is, but that those aren't the only stories out there, the victory stories, you know? And I don't think it's not a victory if you're mad about it, you know? Like, I don't think, I mean, I guess there isn't a victory. There isn't a winning or a losing. Right. There's just dealing with it and 
you know, but on one hand, it, I mean, it, it's tough because the problem is you always want to be that person who's dealing with it well. You always want to be that person who just says, well, it's a thing, moving on with my life, you know, but I don't know if, if that person exists, you know, like I was thinking about uh, a friend of mine who uh, is a, a womanizer, if you will, uh, who, I, I don't want to say womanizer, but has dated a lot of people, uh, and brimming with self-confidence, you know, uh, and the truth of the matter was, and the truth of the matter is frequently with those people, that those people have such a high amount of self-loathing, that they have all this self-confidence, but if you actually stop and, like, really talk to them, frequently that type of person sort of hates themselves a little bit, you know, uh, and that's not to say that all those people do, but it's to say that those people haven't figured out what the people who aren't, like, dating all the time have figured out. You know, like, I guess what I'm saying is that, that they're paying for it in different ways. Okay. Uh, which I know is confusing in how I'm explaining it. I apologize for that. But I guess my point is that, like, I don't know if the person who turns around and seems as though they have it all figured out really does. I I would bet that they don't. You know, uh, and and that was the thing I got the most from looking back at the Ma- uh, Michael J. Fox interview was that when I first saw it, I guess because I was comparing it so much to me mm-hmm. that I felt like, oh man, he's totally got this worked out, you know. And then when I watched it again, just to really sort of see it, I was like, oh, no, he's just coping, you know. He's just trying to be optimistic about it because that's his way of being. But he's not not sad about it. Well, I I would bet that that's not entirely true. I think it goes back to that pendulum thing where his pendulum is swinging in this area right now. He's able to talk about it. He's come to terms with it. To a certain extent. I'm sure there are still times that he's sad. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I think he is sad. Um, I think I, I over-negated that. Uh, I was trying to say that he is sad. Okay. That, you know, that he's able to deal with it in some ways. But that doesn't mean that when he's alone in his room at night, he wouldn't prefer to not have it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's not, like, equal You know, like, it's not just the same old life, but, you know, Parkinson's is fine. I'll take it or leave it. Um, You know, and that's where I feel like I need, like, I felt like, and I still sometimes feel like that's where I need to be, where I'm just like, oh, my life is just the same whether or not I have RP or if I don't. And it's not, you know, Uh, I got screwed. Statistically, I got screwed. And every person who has RP or macular degeneration or any disease or anything or got their arm cut off got screwed, you know? Uh, And it's not wrong to be sad about it. And it's not wrong to let it overcome you sometimes. I think what worries me 
is not being able to get out of it. You know? You worry that you're not. Is that if I let it overcome me too much, then that's just where I'll be. And that's when you rely on those other people to help you. In those moments where you're at your darkest, that's when you need to reach out or let someone reach out to you. But how do you know when to do that? You'll, I think it's one of... sounds so silly, but I, I think it's you'll just know when you're in that moment. It may take a little while. I, I mean, speaking from my personal history, there's a, a point where you realize you can't do it on your own and you have to reach out to somebody. Yeah, I usually do that like six months after. Well, I'm supposed to. <laughs> then that's when you do it. That's your time frame. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't. I don't think it's wrong. I don't think it's a bad way to to conduct yourself because you have to deal with it in the way that you need to. I know when we first found out, I was the one that's like, "Let's go climb Mount Everest. <laughs> Let's yeah. figure this all out." And that you were not ready for that, and I was so mad. I was like, "Why are you? Why are you not helping yourself?" Why are you not helping us? Mm-hmm. And it took a while for me to realize, hello, ding dong. You know, he's not ready yet. Give him time. And eventually I did. Yeah. <laughs> and even now I still a uh, little bit want to, you know, run a marathon kind of thing. But I realize now that I have to, I have to slow down a little bit and follow your lead. Which I appreciate. Well, Which, you're welcome. You know. Uh, I, I think it's a balance because I think I do need a certain amount of pushing. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, but I think that's, but I think there, yeah, I mean, there is always that, that fear when you go into the corner and cry that you're not going to want to get out of the corner, you know, and you're not even going to want to ask for help. Because as long as you're in that corner, you're in control. Mm, in a sense, you yeah. know, you know what's safe and what's not, and you know, and asking for help just in some ways makes it worse. You know, because it makes you really have to admit that you're not what you were. You know. Uh, and then it starts to snowball into this whole thing. So it's not, at least for me, it's not always as easy as just ask for help. Because it feels like asking for help is going to bring you further down that hole, you know, and make you feel worse about yourself. And like I said, but I really want to ask for help, you know, and that makes me feel even worse. Because now it's like, not only can I do the things that I could do before, but now I'm not even as good a person as I was before. Now I'm this weak person who has to ask for help all the time. I used to be able to do things on my own and whether or not I can see or not is one thing, but like I should still be able to deal with all this stuff on my own is how I feel or felt or depends on the day and the amount of, caffeine that I've had (laughs) I um since you're the only one I've been through RP with um I know I better be you you are you are (laughs) I from I am here 
your close friends are here. And even though you don't say the words, I need your help, those people know. Now, I don't know if everybody out there with RP or their own version of that has somebody, but I think that's what you need to do. This is, you need a buddy. Yeah. And someone that you're like, hey, right now I'm not in my dark place, but I'm probably going to get there. Mm-hmm. Could you just keep an eye out for that and, you know, turn on a light for me or something? Uh, and uh, an answer to one thing that for people out there who don't uh, have RP, who are just listening to this. Uh, a lot of people will say, like, well, how... And I'm just answering it for myself, but I think it's probably similar for other people. Uh, they'll say, like, well, how do you want me to help you, and how do you want me to deal with it? Uh, and if it's a person who, uh, you know, you're close with or whatever, at least for me, for people who I'm close with, I want you to help me when I need it, but otherwise not address it at all, unless I want to talk about it. You know what I mean? Like, uh, if there's a... You know, if there's a curb or something like that, uh, I want you to be consciously aware of it and help me not walk into it, but, like, not talk about it. Like, I I don't know exactly what that means, but it's one of those things where I wanted to just be the norm for the other person, you know, where I don't have to ask for help, where I can just have the person sort of, where I know that the person is devoting 10% of their energy to looking out to make sure I don't die. Uh, because I'm devoting like <laughs> 80% of my energy to do that. So knowing that the other person's devoting like 10% really makes it so that I go, okay, this person is looking out for me without making me feel bad about it. Right. And I think that's where when you're not in, when you don't need the actual help or when you're not feeling at your darkest moment, you say, hey, you know what? This is what I'm going to need. Just know that going forward. And so mm-hmm. then when those moments come up, they can just, they can just do it. So the the point is that you do have to tell someone at some point that you need help. Yeah. Or will need help. As, as small as that, too. Because then people just know and they'll be able to look out for you. Okay. Does that make sense? No, it does. All right. Do you, well, yeah, you, no. I you disagree? Think, no, I agree. <laughs> it's, just, it's just not fun. <laughs> I know. Well, no yeah. one said this is going to be right, <laughs> no one be a good time. Uh, like Parkinson's is so much fun. Yeah, it's not. I keep telling you. It's oh, not right. as... I keep forgetting. Uh, anyway, so that's episode three. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. If you, uh, I'd love to hear stories from other people. Uh, yeah, I would too. So, and thank you for the people who have emailed in. Uh, I would yeah. also like to hear stories from people that are with people or are friends with people that have RP or something similar. Yeah. Uh, so visit uh, the website, goingblindsucks.com. Uh, you can send us an email to uh, info at com, or click on the contact page uh, and email us that way. Uh, and yeah, I'd love to, to hear from you. And I think there's a, a Google Voice number on there too, uh, although I haven't tried it to see if it works. But I, We'll try that. Yeah, try we'll that. work on it. And we'll put a link for the Michael J. Fox interview. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, thank you all for listening, and uh, we'll see you soon.